Welcome to the Bucket List Project podcast, a weekly show that talks about stories from my pursuit of nomadic lifestyle around the world, interviews with interesting people who I have met in this journey, and a generous dose of thought-provoking conversations around travel as a lifestyle choice. If you love to listen on topics revolving around travel, then this will be a perfect companion for the ride to office, your morning jog, or in general, when you're winding down for the day. We will have new episodes releasing every Friday, so do share and subscribe to our podcast and get your weekly share of travel inspiration. Whenever I go on vacations abroad, I have fondly seen the local community indulge in the joys of a water body. Some of my vivid memories from my trips are, um, you know, number one, a family cruising through the canals of Amsterdam in their weekend boats. They are sailing through and watching the city busily move ahead while they are serenely cruising. There's a poignant dichotomy to this, you know, a calmness of the boat ride and the busyness of the street life. The second one, obviously, uh, is something that you have seen in a lot of movies. A kid taking a dip in crystal clear lakes. Especially, I saw one such uh, instance in Vanaka. You know, discovering the simple joys of getting his hair wet and float with a sense of weightlessness in that water was beautiful. The third one, uh, watching surf junkies riding the waves in Gold Coast, Uluwatu and Lombok. Their adrenaline rush of catching a barrel and conquering it is a sight to watch. No wonder they keep going back to it again and again to catch that last wave before getting out of the water. And finally, uh, when I saw a lot of snorkelers free diving to get a bit closer to the reef or the fish in Maldives, the very thought that you have an opportunity to interact with a world you are not a natural habitant of is a curious itch that never gives away. Keeping this aside, unfortunately, my lack of swimming or experience with large water bodies were also some of the embarrassing or funny moments in my life. In 2012 uh, or 2013, uh, 2012 I think, yes, uh, when we were returning from Tomatina Festival, the bus stopped nearby a lake on our way back unexpectedly. We were told that we can go for a swim and clean ourselves up uh, of the Tomatina trail left all over our body. I had to stay back and watch wishfully as the rest of the group revelled in this unexpected yet pleasant detour. Number two, in 2013, while on a boat trip in Santorini, uh, all of us had an option to snorkel in the remote part of the caldera. Me and Pratibha got into the water with a life jacket. We were the only ones. But we also made a mockery of ourselves when we gently drifted away from the boat and did not know how to get back. They had to throw the life boys to get us back on the boat and and the entire boat was watching us in amusement. And number three, one of the greatest regrets was not being able to swim in Glenorchy Lakeside in New Zealand. Probably the most stunning lake I would have seen but could never experience its waters. These embarrassing moments got me thinking. You know, swimming is considered as a natural skill almost like walking for most of the Europeans and Americans, but Asians and in particular Indians are rarely exposed to the skill. The reasons could be many, you know, lack of clean water bodies, limited, well-maintained public swimming pools, and more importantly for women, 
the social cultural stigma of not being allowed to wear comfortable swimwear without the male gaze it is estimated that less than 1% of indians know swimming and i don't think it is expected to dramatically improve in the coming years however in my personal experience i was very determined and wanted to change my relationship with water mind you i was already 35 years old by then and this when this realization hit me and was also struggling with a shoulder and leg injury which would be a hindrance in me swimming effectively in this podcast i'm going to be sharing my experience of how 2023 shaped this goal of mine and what was the driving force behind it i'm srinath shankar your host a party master scuba diving instructor co-founder of pick your trail india's fastest growing leisure travel brand a digital nomad and a slow travel proponent today's topic of podcast is 2023 the year i discovered my relationship with water uh, in my first episode of this podcast i had mentioned briefly about scuba diving interest and how it was a bucket list project item to check off for me one of the starting points for that was going pro in scuba diving i had decided to pick that up as my first project in 2023 it involved moving up the ladder from being a rescue diver to a dive master then an instructor and then an msdt which is a master scuba diving trainer fortunately or unfortunately one of the physical requirements to clear pro level was to test our comfort with open ocean it involved five tests that i dreaded the most given my lack of swimming experience especially in the open water and the injuries uh, the five tests were uh, a 100 meter tired diver toe a test where you are expected to fully gear up and toe in water a tired diver over a distance of 100 meters in a stipulated time the second one was a 800 meter snorkel test wherein you have to snorkel a distance of 800 meter in open or confined water without the use of your hands and it has to be completed in a stipulated time again then the 400 meter swim test wherein you have to swim a distance of 400 meters in open or confined water again in a stipulated time the fourth one was a 15 minutes float test which was interestingly split into two parts uh first one you can float by any means necessary for 13 minutes and then the last 2 minutes of the float test you have to keep your hands visibly above water and continue to float the fifth one was underwater stress test wherein you will be presented with a situation underwater where you will have to exchange the entire scuba gear with your body and swim for a brief period in fact i was so anxious when i read about these test first i felt i will never be able to clear them because it not only involved swimming for a particular distance it also meant that i had to do it very fast because there was time limits but giving up was not an option as i had manifested this bucket list in my mind over the last 10 years so i started my preparations about 10 months ahead itself first and foremost these tests required you to be in very good shape to clear them comfortably and that became my first goal i hit the gym regularly to improve my aerobic endurance and over a period of time i started seeing significant changes and my confidence grew but the elephant in the room still was not addressed my swimming i had to overcome two factors one 
I was a sinker and not a floater. A term loosely used to describe your buoyancy when you don't do anything in water. It is not a skill but how your body is built. Generally people with good fat layer float and people with more bone weight or muscle mass sink. I had to choose a hybrid swimming technique which would work with my shoulder restrictions as well because I was carrying an injury. I was lucky enough to get a swimming instructor one Miss Nikki in Kotao who specialized in helping divers clear these tests very specifically. She in fact assessed my presence in water, my buoyancy and then customized two styles that I could practice effectively to clear these timed water tests. For the float test, she recommended sculling with high knees and for swimming a backstroke with breaststroke kicks. Uh, with the confidence in our experience and knowledge, I started practicing these two techniques religiously over the next two months, as along with the coursework that I was doing to go pro. Every day in the morning, I would spend at least about one and a half hours dedicatedly to practice either of these skills in the pool or in the ocean. I would not miss it even if it was a weekend. Uh, my journey slowly week one and week two uh, were horrible neither I could uh, you know uh, float for 15 minutes especially the last two minutes with my hands above water uh, nor I could swim continuously for even like 300 meters uh, week three and week four I started getting better at it wherein I could you know, start floating for the entire 15 minutes and my hands above water started slowly peaking. Okay. Uh, and my 400 meter continuous swim became a reality, but it was not beating the cutoff time required for the test. Week 5, I opted for my 800 meter snorkel test directly um, and even the 100 meter tired do uh, diver toe. The... Um, the reason for this is that my confidence in water was definitely growing and I wanted to push myself and test. And given the fact that um, 800 meter snorkel and the 100 meter tired diver toe, I would have the aids like fins, snorkel mask made it easier in my mind. And thankfully, I cleared both of them and it was an energy booster for me. Week 6, 7 and 8. I still had to conquer my float and swim test. Uh, week over week, I started seeing incremental improvements in my timing, but was still falling short by few seconds. I did not let it slow me down. Uh, the morning routine would continue as usual, one and a half hours every day in terms of my practice, and I kept timing my performance. By the end of week eight, I was confident of my float test because my hands were above water for the last two minutes and I was feeling very, very comfortable with that. Uh, and the swim test was also getting better and better in terms of uh, I was almost touching the cutoff time. Uh, the D-Day arrived and it was showtime because the time was running out and I had to give a date. The first, the float test went flawlessly and it was a confidence booster for me. After a short break, I got ready for the swim test. Cheered on by my master instructor, Flab, a legend by 
Kotao standards and who has huge amount of stories to tell. Um, I decided to power through on adrenaline. All through the length of 400 meters, I was concentrating and optimizing each stroke at a time to maximize the distance it would help me cover. All the days of practice was flashing by as I swam and this symbolically felt like the escape run from the embarrassments that I've had till now, not knowing swimming in my past. I heard the final whistle and as I put up my head above water, I saw Flav giving me a thumbs up. I had cleared the cutoff by about 12 seconds. The relief and joy I felt was something I had never experienced before. This was my final hurdle to becoming a pro and a fulfilling one because it was helping me get there in terms of my bucket list project items. You know, days like this made me think that the journey is worth all the effort and hard work. Um, on a side note, I have skipped my experience with exams, presentations, underwater teaching demonstrations, which are also part of the evaluation in terms of going pro. But that did not seem as daunting as this water skill test for me. Finally, I was a freshly minted scuba diving pro and my relationship with water grew manifold. Now, I was not afraid of the deep anymore and only eager to explore more and more of what it had to offer. Our time in Kota was also getting over and it was time to get back to India for a short period. Uh, but the desire to be in water was very, very strong. So I was figuring out what I could do from Chennai. About 150 kilometers away from Chennai, we have a thriving diving community in Pondicherry. It takes time to become an integral part of this community, but that was something of a luxury I could not afford as my time in India was short-lived. However, when I reached out to Apurva from Urban Nomad, uh, a dive school and a dive resort in Pondicherry, uh, a leading one in fact, uh, he was gracious enough to let me be associated with them even though it was for a just three month period. This was an avenue for me to invest more time and fulfill my bucket list wish of introducing more people to the wonders of the underwater world. Um, you know, I would drive down to Pondicherry over Thursday evening and spend the weekend over there with the urban nomad family. There was always a sense of bonhomie among the dive masters and fellow instructors over there and the work did not seem overbearing. You know, our daily routine would start quite early, uh, you know, in fact, as early as about 5.30 to 6 a.m., as we would get ready to load the boat with all the scuba gear, tanks, safety kits and set sail by 7.30 for the dive scheduled for the day. Now some days you would have just about 4-5 divers and there would be days when the count would go up significantly. Uh, in fact, I'm told that the highest record in a day was about 75 odd divers that we had to take. Uh, it is indeed tiring hard work for the dive masters to take care of all the logistics in real time. You know, imagine lugging around multiple tanks back and forth, you know, each one of them weighing 15 to 16 kilos. And um, on a busy day, uh, you would have anywhere between, you know, 75 to 100 tanks. 
and on a lean day you will still have about 12 to 15 tanks but they would do it with a smile just for the love of ocean and scuba diving as an instructor uh, i predominantly was teaching two paddy courses one was the discover scuba diving uh, course uh, which is for non-swimmers and then the uh, open water uh, scuba diving course which is for somebody who is comfortable with swimming remember how i had spoken about you know less than one percent indians knowing swimming the reality check was actually hitting me even more when i became an instructor a lot of new divers were extremely adventurous and they loved scuba diving and in fact they were raring to go and see the underwater world however their lack of swimming restricted their options in terms of the courses they could take you know discover scuba diving allowed them to uh, take up uh, scuba diving without the knowledge of swimming as i mentioned earlier now uh, this is primarily because of the fact that uh, you as a new diver will be diving in direct supervision of your instructor where most likely they will be controlling your buoyancy and navigation uh, all through the dive it is a great way to experience scuba diving uh, but always has to be done under somebody's supervision if you strive to dive autonomously then you have the other track which is the paddy open water uh, course uh, it is um, you know three day course where you are assessed for your comfort in water which is a basic swim test of 200 meters or a snorkel test of 300 meters but without any time limit and a 10 minute float test uh, besides this you are also taught various skills over five sessions in confined swimming pool and during four dives in open ocean you are expected to satisfactorily demonstrate that you have mastery over these skills and clear them fairly easily if you are able to do so okay uh, and the, along with this you also have an online assessment which is merely procedural in nature because if you read through it is very very easy test to clear um, I was fortunate enough that between these two paddy courses uh, I could certify 50 students the sense of joy when I certify new divers and share their ex excitement for scuba diving is surreal you know I remember some moments from this you know journey of certifying 50 students uh, the first one you know this has to be um, you know one of the best stories uh, that he would go on to tell to a lot of people it was a guy on his first dive doing discover scuba diving he just jumps out of the boat gets into the water we go down and the first fish life that he sees is a whale shark just imagine no, how lucky he would be it takes some of us a lifetime to witness the majestic creature which is a whale shark and for some unlucky ones in fact you never see them at all but i am not sure if he realized how lucky he was but a lot of people would die to be in his spot the second um, memory that i remember is a lady who had extreme fear of water she was doing this to overcome the fear uh, the initial descent into water for so scary for her she was not able to equalize uh, because of the uh, increasing pressure 
and uh, it kind of telling uh, in her ears and it took a lot of assurance from me to make her feel comfortable and eventually she did it uh the moment she saw her underwater photographs and videos she was jumping for joy and thanked the entire team profusely the third one which is very very special to me is a 75 year old gentleman who was hard of hearing so above water we had to take a lot of extra care to teach him and explain the skills and make him understand all the procedures but the moment we went under water the peaceful silence and us communicating just in signs made me forget for a moment that he was hard for hearing you know you don't even have to talk under water it felt as if there is no communication barrier between us and it was magic indeed i also had a pleasure of teaching some of my friends and colleagues from picker trail and from my family circle it was a different feeling for me teaching them and certifying them it almost felt like appraisal times for me and i would jokingly tell them that i could fail them if they were not nice to me uh in this short stint in pondicherry where i certified 50 students um the milestone felt more personal to me as i could evangelize a bit about ocean conservation the beautiful reefs the marine life and excitement it brings to be with all of these creatures even today i keep sharing inspiring diving videos uh, between my set of students and encourage them to keep diving around the world wherever they are traveling this experience to be very honest was very fulfilling for me um but there was something that was still missing i was doing all of this as an instructor and i was responsible for my students right so that sometimes made me focus only on them and the environment around them all right uh so i was missing the joy and excitement of exploration and discovering new things in a dive for myself as an individual and this brings me to the third and final section of my podcast uh you know there is a term called as fun diving as the name suggests literally it is supposed to make diving fun in the process of becoming an instructor i had the privilege of meeting fellow students and teachers who had colorful experience diving around the world and uh, you know i was introduced to terms like muck diving cave diving uh wreck penetration pelagic dives macro dives deep dives reef dives and what not the best part there are some incredible places around the globe where you can experience all of this and live to talk about it for ages to come as i was writing down my top 10 dive sites list i realized that sometimes a stunning place continues to be stunning for a reason all because of the fact that it is very very remote when i wrote down my top 10 i realized that only way to access them was through a liverboard uh, because they are very very remote uh, liverboard this is a very popular concept among seasoned divers across the globe you basically hop onto a boat and sail to these remote dive sites you literally dive eat sleep and repeat the cycle over multiple days and live on the boat 
you know the boat literally becomes your home and you're mostly disconnected from the world in terms of internet in terms of calls or any other uh distractions you probably will have between you know 12 to 20 dives packed in 4 to 7 days and diving consumes all your focus and energy this idea excited me pretty much and i planned my 2023 fun diving calendar around this particular concept starting with april um the first uh, liverboard that i did was the simulan islands national park in thailand it is an archipelago in the andaman sea and considered to have some of the best reefs and marine life in thailand uh, my goal over here was very specifically to witness the magic of richelieu rock uh, the word going around in the scuba diving world is that the density of marine life that you see in richelieu rock is unmatched and i wanted to witness it personally the second liverboard that i had planned was maldives uh you know often a lot of people picture maldives to be a honeymoon destination you know over water bungalow and just relaxing but it is very little known fact that liverboard diving is probably one of the best ways to cover the length and breadth of maldives the amount of pelagic life which is big fish life that you see over there is unparalleled in the world you will see all types of sharks rays schools of tuna and trevally up close and personal the third one uh, in september i had planned for komodo uh, the legendary currents of komodo is supposed to be the rite of passage for all instructors in terms of having an all round diving experience uh, i wanted to experience it first hand and live to tell the tale uh, it was an added bonus that the reef life is supposed to be stunning and very diverse over here and you also get to see the great komodo dragon in november um uh, the other uh, liverboard that i have planned is the banda sea fondly called as the ark of fire or the ring of fire uh the stories i have heard of this place is like phenomenal you get to see hundreds of hammerheads crossing by there is a place called as uh, underwater lava float dive site and there's the famous snake island where you get to see hundreds of snakes underwater got me hooked up and also the fact that the remoteness of this place and difficulty to do you know kind of get there did not deter me from choosing this place uh finally in 2 weeks from now i'll be happily setting sail to banda sea uh, in search of the hammies which is the hammerhead sharks and finally to cap off the year in december um uh, i'm doing rajampat uh, considered to be the mecca of scuba diving you know 75% of the world's reef and fish species can be found here how can one say no to this right in fact it was a six year dream dream for me to dive here uh finally happy to say that new year will be spent in the wilderness and no better way to usher in 2024 with all these liverboards it so happened that the experience is you know kind of getting elevated with each trip similance happened to be special because it was my first liverboard experience uh and obviously i uh, got to see richelieu rock the moment we uh you know descended 
and the amount of fish that I could see around me, it was like crazy. And I cannot describe that in words whatsoever. The next one, Maldives, obviously was special because that was uh, a better liverboat ship because that was the first luxury yacht that I could uh, experience, number one. And the amount of sharks and manta rays and eagle rays that I could see, uh, it, you know, fulfilled to my heart's content. In Komodo, I witnessed the famous cauldron and its thrilling currents. Yeah, think of uh, the currents of Komodo like, uh, you know, your washing machine. It'll just like how clothes just are, uh, you know, washed away inside the washing machine and they move to the tune of the current of the washing machine. The same thing happens in Komodo. And it was also thrilling for me because I got to see my first octopus and I got to see my first hermit crab. Uh, Banda Sea and Rajampet is already so hyped up in my mind and I'm pretty sure that it will not disappoint me. But more importantly, living in the sea for so many days and getting used to the gentle motion of waves rocking our boat as we sleep, eat and sit around chatting with other divers is another special experience. Uh, you know, uh, we would have the hangover of the wavy motion even when we get back to the land and it takes almost, you know, a day or two to get back to normal. It also taught me to live within my means as we did not have the luxury of unlimited resources when sailing in a small boat. Um, I'm privileged that I was able to share this experience uh, with my friends who have joined in some of these liverboats along with me and I've kind of evangelized them into this kind of holiday. Um, this part of life uh, has cemented my relationship with water so strongly and the love for ocean is going to be forever from now on. Um, I would sincerely hope more people uh, experience what I have experienced. Uh, I have in fact now started seeing a lot of influencers promoting diving in their videos and the younger generation keen on exploring the sport. And I hope in my own small ways continue to evangelize diving and the joy it brings. I will just leave the audience with a parting thought. Learn swimming. It is never late for it. And you will thank me later for this advice. And maybe you will also find your relationship with water, like how I found my relationship with water in 2023. This wraps up this episode of the Bucket List Project. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and the long monologue of my relationship with water. Uh, I hope it inspired you or kindled some kind of interest in diving. Uh, and I hope it has also triggered some thoughts in terms of moving in that direction. If you liked what you listened to, then subscribe to a podcast which is available both in Spotify and in Apple. See you next week and until then, have a great time.